Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Good Lawyer Show. This week, we bring you an episode of the Startup Calgary podcast, where Good Lawyer team member Grant Laring was recently invited on to discuss his experiences working at a startup. The podcast is part of Startup Calgary's excellent series, So You Want to Work at a Startup. This series highlights some of the key and growing roles at tech startups, just like Good Lawyer, and answers questions like how can working at a startup progress your career, and where can you look for opportunities to work at a startup. For any of you interested in working at an entrepreneurial venture, or if you're interested in starting one of your own, these podcasts are a great place to begin to get a better understanding of what it takes to be successful. So make sure you check them out. Without further ado, please enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to the Startup Calgary podcast. Startup Calgary is an initiative by Calgary Economic Development that helps entrepreneurs turn their highly scalable ideas into reality by connecting them to what they need when they need it. On the podcast, we chat with founders and leaders in the startup community to share the knowledge, tools, and inspiration you need to launch and grow your startup right here in Calgary. My name is Danielle Torrey, and I am a host and a previous member of the Startup Calgary team and now a member of Calgary's startup community. Hi everyone, my name is Danielle Torrey and today we are kicking off a special series of episodes called So You Want to Work for a Startup. Making the decision to work for a startup means preparing to roll up your sleeves and bring the attitude that no job is too small. It also has the potential to create exponential opportunities for growth and learning in your career. During this series, we are going to spotlight a few of the key and growing roles at Calgary Tech Startups to answer questions like, how can working in a startup progress your career? And where should you look for opportunities to work at a startup? Perfectly timed with the launch of this series, I would also like to share that I'm moving on from the Startup Calgary team to join a local tech company called Cement as a content marketing manager. Although I'm leaving the team, I'll continue to host the Startup Calgary podcast as a volunteer. And I can honestly say that this series of episodes would have been super helpful to me as I evaluated my next step. On today's episode, we are going to talk about growth with Grant Lawring and Shub Sidhu. Grant is the growth manager at Good Lawyer, a legal tech startup that makes connecting with the perfect lawyer easier than ordering shoes on Amazon. His mission is to build big tech companies in Calgary through advanced marketing and sales techniques. Grant developed his mission after holding marketing, sales, and customer success roles in tech companies as diverse as Deepwater Farms in Calgary and Uber in Australia and New Zealand. Shub Sidhu is the VP of Growth at Zazun. Zazun is on a mission to improve employee health through the use of responsible financial products. Shub is an engineer by training with a career in technology, and he intends to grow Zazun through his belief in the product and the team. Prior to Zazun, he spent eight years in progressive roles at Mentor Engineering, eventually acquired by Constellation Software, three years at Rogers and Advanced Solutions, and then over three years building out sales and marketing for Convergent IS, a top 500 growth company in Canada in 2018. So yeah, welcome, uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, to get started, can you tell us a bit about your career journey before starting in your current role? And maybe, Shub, do you want to kick us off? <laughs> sure. Um, 
mine's going to be longer because I'm much older than everybody else here. Um, but uh, my career uh, started um, actually when I was still in school, in engineering school. And back uh, when I was in school, the, clo- the closest you could get to like a tech gig was working in uh, telco. And uh, that's sort of when I fell in love with this idea of working in technology. Um, graduated uh, 02 and then about a year later after doing some other stuff, landed at a a tech company in Calgary where I spent eight years and grew up there. And it was just such a wonderful experience that I knew I was never going to go back. Um, I tried the big company thing for a bit, realized I wasn't well suited for it. And then a couple, uh, one more step in terms of a a early stage services startup, and then arrived here at Zazun. That's generally my background, but uh, in a whole bunch of different roles. Awesome. And Grant, what about you? Uh, It is a lot shorter actually. Um, I went straight into growth after university. So I I had a degree in entrepreneurship and marketing from Mount Royal. um, And I just went straight into that at an advertising agency that worked with tech companies. Uh, Then I had a bit of a sojourn at a nonprofit at Habitat for Humanity. Then I went overseas for a bit, uh, worked with Uber in Australia and New Zealand. And then I just got back uh, a couple years ago and worked at a couple startups here. and, And now I'm a good lawyer. Yeah gonna say last time uh we saw each other at deep water you were in like the full like what's the word i'm looking for the full suit for like dealing with all the fish and stuff but <laughs> the water pants i don't know what you call them anyways <laughs> there's a reason i don't know that space well. pretty pretty sure wa- water pants is the right term yep yeah he's he's got that wa- yeah. wa- water pants <laughs> actually uh, i just had a new startup idea water pants <laughs> Yeah, you got it. Yeah, you guys, you guys are in. You just have to sign this NDA. Yeah, now we have to edit the whole podcast. Yeah, totally. Uh, got to get that out of here. We don't share ideas at the early stage around here. Um, <laughs> so my next question is: Was it always your goal to land at a startup? If yes, like why? And then if not, what was it like? At what point did it actually seem like a real opportunity that you were interested in pursuing? Shub, do you want to take it away? We'll keep this oh, I'll go again. going. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny. Um, so like I mentioned that first, uh, kind of permanent job tech experience out of, out of school, uh, with that company, when I started there had about 35 people and, and, the the small company environment, um, you know, it wasn't like seed funded or anything like that. It was all bootstrapped, but just that environment just stuck with me really early. Uh, just, uh, you know, the time of my life and the age that I was and the people that I worked with, uh, it was just such an awesome experience that, that pretty much locked in at that point that I think that's what I wanted to do. And then, um, yeah. And then trying the big company thing, you know, specifically took an opportunity kind of to go back and, uh, and um, yeah, I always knew, right. Like I always knew that, you know, what I eventually wanted to get to was just to have a seat at the table, right. From a startup or scale up point of view. Um, And I kind of knew that really, really early it just it just locked in right within that first year of that first experience that hey you know like this is what i want to do um and this is the type of people i want to do it with awesome and what about you grant uh i think the opposite (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i don't know if i ever planned to start up i feel like um it all makes sense looking back like my career does look pretty cohesive but uh, I think I only decided to do the startup thing like six months ago when I kind of revisited my mission, vision, values after I'd gone through all my different experiences and what I learned from each place. And um, that's when I kind of decided that I was going to gonna give it a go like for the rest of my life. So I'll see how that goes. 
Yeah, we actually, we just recorded our first episode of this series earlier today. And that was like the main thing that came up is it was like, oh, like all of a sudden there's this like really clear trend in my career growth. And it's just that all of like the key pieces of the culture I wanted to work for and like my way of working fit super well with a startup. So yeah, it's uh, interesting to hear you say that. Totally. I found a couple of things that I really lately like, that I like about companies and things I don't like about companies. And um, I don't know if you had the same experience, Shab, but uh, I really like doing like the marketing sales and stuff in startups. I really don't like um, companies that really strict hierarchies. I like I like to work in different spheres if I can, and I don't like uh, bad products. So one of the cool things about startups is I can pick companies that have cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, there's tons of startups to choose from, so you can always get a good product. You know who also doesn't like bad products? Uh, Grant is customers. So that's good. <laughs> that's a good point of view. <laughs> That'll yeah. save you some time in the long run. <laughs> Yeah, we just had our our last uh, podcast was on sales, and we were like, yeah, you can't really work in a sales role if you don't have product market fit. It's really, really hard. So yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah. You guys have talked a little bit about your past roles, but is there any one particular role or combination that have really best prepared you to work at a startup? Oh, is it me again? Uh, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> Older and wiser, yeah, you get to go tough. first. <laughs> I, was, I, I was hoping to piggyback off of Grant's answers. Um, uh, so, you know, it's a great question, Daniel. So, you know, I mentioned I always wanted to work at a startup, but what I didn't know from an early stage is that I wanted to be in sort of this nebulous revenue growth role, right? Like that that's where, for me, the evolution came. Um, and so um, when I went through my first experience, I started in like a project delivery role. So everything was always customer-facing. Um, and then I evolved actually into a product management role and that intersection point of the project and product management, you know, I had the opportunity to do like, like, um, a fair number of like pitch presentations. And there was a moment in, um, I don't know, gosh, like 2007, 2008, where I did one of those presentations and, and then a friend of mine, she came up to me and she's like, you know, if, if we wanted to do our own thing, we wouldn't need a sales guy. You, you would be it. And I was like, well, I, I can't sell anything. Um, uh, and then it sort of sort of stuck that like, Hey, yeah, maybe this is kind of what I like. Um, so that moment. And then my next gig at, at, at the larger telco was in a pure sales world where I actually worked for like a career salesperson and learned about sales. Right. I mean, uh, and, uh, and it kind of just this whole growth, like this whole growth and acquisition piece just sort of sort of clicked. It was like, Oh yeah, I like talking to people. I like customers. I like uh, attributing value. And I like, you know, uh, like so many of us who are in these types of roles, you know, I played competitive sports growing up. So it was like, this is the easiest way to measure yourself, right? It was just like, oh, it's a number, <laughs> right? Let's go get numbers. So yeah, um, it, 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 it's, it's funny, like that, that's sort of when it kind of clicked in, in in terms of this whole business development growth revenue space, whatever you want to call it, uh, that, yeah, there was a singular moment for me where I sort of thought, hey, maybe I could do this, which is weird because that's not normally how I work. Like to Grant's point, sort of, I just you eventually evolve into something. Um, but yeah, there was, I can still think back to that day, which is funny because until you asked me that question, I hadn't thought about that day for a long time. So um, I appreciate uh, you taking me down uh, memory lane there. <laughs> yeah, that's super cool that you can uh, actually pinpoint that. Cause yeah, a lot of people really, they don't really know where they went in a certain direction or how, but it's nice if you actually have that sort of aha moment. Totally. And Grant, I, what about you? Uh, it's, really similar this time i gotta say uh for me it was uber so i was with uber i was selling uber eats um software and it was the first time doing a sales like a, a direct straight up day-to-day -day sales role 
Uh, and it, Sorry, Grant, to, to interrupt you, like, I don't know a lot about that Uber Eats model. Were you going literally, like, door-to-door to restaurants to sell that service? Like, yeah, cool. It. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just a, it's a software as a SaaS, pro, uh, SaaS product, really, software as a service. Yeah. Um, and we'd sell it to restaurant owners, so you'd have to connect with these restaurants anyway you could and convince them it's a good idea. Uh, and like a lot of tech uh, sales, the hard part is that no one in the neighborhood's using it, no one's tried it before, it's brand new to this area, maybe this country. Um, so you're always kind of explaining things to new people, and that makes it a real numbers grind. A um, lot of hitting the streets, a lot of talking to people. Um, I started every phone call with, hi, it's Grant from Uber Eats, how are you doing? For like two years after I finished that role. <laughs> like, yeah. Couldn't stop doing it. Um, but it did completely change the way I looked at my career and the way I looked at sales. Um, and that made me think about really the fundamentals of growth. And, and growth, sales is the fundamental of growth, in my opinion. Um, that's why I decided I was going to get into that and find good products and sell them to people who need them. Yeah. No, that well, that makes total sense why you ended up at Deepwater Farms if your role was uh, talking with restaurants. So that all it's all tying together now it was an easy transition yeah yeah um so before i ask this next question this actually came up through our our email thread but how do you define a growth role in a startup and i'm gonna let you both take this one on um but this time i'm gonna let grant lead. can we make let's make let's make grant go first I just yeah said it. yeah like, he's gonna go first We're no gonna i appreciate it up that so you can follow Danielle. sometimes <laughs> yeah because i i obviously totally know what it is right but i you know if grant <laughs> wants to go first that's totally fine <laughs> Yeah, that's absolutely right. <laughs> um, you're talking about the, the, the misconceptions around growth? Uh, no, I'm actually going to, like, what is a growth role at a startup? What does that even mean? Um, so, so I think of growth as, as three main hubs that people are more familiar with. I think of, of it as sales, uh, marketing, and customer success or account management, whatever you want to say there. Um, and they're all functions where people talk to customers and get them to spend money. Um, the allocation of resources to those three departments really depends on what your model is. If you've got um, like a really expensive SaaS product, you probably have a really expensive sales team and you spend a lot of money on account management. Uh, you probably spend a lot less money on marketing because you've probably only got a few hundred customers around the world or something like that. Um, so that's how I think of growth. And then that makes it quite nebulous and quite difficult to define for anyone because a growth manager in company A could be doing completely different things than a growth manager in company B. Yeah, for sure. And I think that it'll be really cool to hear both of your sides. Um, and I was going to incorporate this later, but maybe let's touch on it now. And like, how big is the Good Lawyer team and who in the team supports even growth? We've got about 15 people at Good Lawyer, but a lot of them are contractors. So it's kind of hard to tell like in a headcount term. Yeah. Um, but it, it is a pretty big team and, and quite uh, quite skilled in all the different areas. We've got about seven people in growth right now. Okay. Yeah, awesome. And Shub, what about you? What is growth and what does that look like within Zayzoon? Uh, yeah, it's such a great question. Um, you know, I, obviously, I think everything Grant said is correct. Um, I would also roll uh, products, you know, into that, that growth category, right? Because um, any of us who have had to sell something always appreciate the fact when the product sells itself. So that's nice. Um yeah, and, and, you know, you go through this evolution from a startup, right? Early stages, um, for those of us who've done this, it's it's all, it's all like, you know, it's hand-to-hand, monkey knife fight every day. Like, you're literally just, you're selling, and it's often almost like founders who can sell, right? And then the next material step is, okay, 
can you have one other person who's not a founder sell your stuff? Um, and I think uh, that's actually where a lot of the breakpoint happens with so many like quote unquote startups, right? Um, uh, whether we're talking SaaS or service or whatever we are uh, discussing, the ability for like one other person to be able to sell the service. So when you talk about that evolution, it's building out that sales or business development execution. If you, if you can have other people do it, you both found the right person and you have a strong product. Um, and then, yeah, I think uh, Grant, uh, customer success, this is something I've learned, uh, you know, Daniel, you know, Tate working very closely with Tate, he's put such an onus on the success part. You know, we have a, a very complex model, the B to B to C model. So success from a C and a B point of view, um, that's huge. Right. Um, and then, yeah, marketing and marketing. I actually think more people kind of understand the concept of growth than they understand the concept of marketing. Um, and, uh, you know, because there's all this different, like you ask one person, they think of marketing. It's like, oh, yeah, it's like a website designer. And the other person is like, oh, it's, um, uh, you know, it's writing content. Or the other person is doing inbound demand gen. And the other person, it's, you know, sales enablement. And, and so um, uh, to me, the marketing function always is, is the most interesting to sort of figure out what you need early stage, right? Lots of startups will go heavy on brand, for example, early stage, um, which I've never understood because um, to me, everything you do early days has to generate revenue, right? Um, so when we talk about growth uh, it, in sort of where I'm at, I guess in my career, a lot of it, to be honest, is like it's, it's, a, it's putting the blocks in place and then being a bit of a traffic cop, whereas maybe where Grant is with the good lawyer folks, it's, it's still in that hand-to-hand sort of, uh, you know, just coming out of that hand-to-hand stage maybe. So we're trying to take, uh, you know, the manual hand-to-hand, uh, this, this metaphor is falling apart, the manual hand-to-hand and make it a robot that waves its hands around, right? So, um, um, yeah, like it's, it's uh, I mean, we're re- well into the, I guess, the operationalization of growth, right? The revenue operations sort of a model and framework. So it, it's really defined as taking those three and a half or three to four things that, that Grant alluded to and, you know, lining them up <laughs> uh, and making sure that you, don't get burdened by all the data that you have, but you are really effectively using the data to make sure you're doing the next right thing, right? Would be my, would, would be how I define growth. And really someone's going to listen to this and say, well, that was a bunch of vague nonsense, but um, hey, <laughs> that's all I got. <laughs> that's what you have to expect at a startup is a bit yeah. of vague nonsense. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's been the, the theme across both episodes so far. So we're, we're good and we're all aligned there. I, I, think, th- I think there was one piece in there that was, uh, I had totally forgotten to mention but i think you nailed it which is like the, the, there's a time for holding hands there's time for automating that process um the way i i think of it is like start with being effective then become efficient and i think i think that's what um you're saying is you're now you're at that transition point which is really really difficult but really really crucial to actually making money as a business well thanks grant yeah <laughs> i like that you should uh, you should post that somewhere we'll put it in the show notes first be effective so, i'm then so efficient. stressed i'm so I'm so stretched out now. <laughs> Grant yeah. says it's going to be difficult. He's right, for the record. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the same as us. Like, we're, we're doing a lot of calling to customers, and I got this a lot from from Uber. Like, we do a lot of phone calls to people, like pushing them, even for sure. drivers. Like, if you ever signed up as an Uber driver, anyone? No. No. It's as um, an Uber driver. No, no. No, I have not. There's a lot of handholding on that process. Believe it or not, like, uh, there's a lot of. Um, especially when we're launching a new city like uber would like we'd call and text drivers continually to get them through like you know get your get us your insurance go to this inspection sure. you got to be on time and like and that's really common in a startup and a lot of people are really scared to do that because it is not very scalable um 
But yeah, Grant, um, I think you're incorrect. The internet salespeople on the internet tell me that cold cold calling is dead. So um, I don't uh, I don't think that works. That's what the internet tells me. So I'm going to disagree. I'm just going to clarify. There's some there's some sarcasm happening (laughs) up in here. (laughs) Just just to scooch a sarcasm. No, that's great. And Grant, I I mean, I applaud you for being able to do that because you are absolutely right. Not not there's a very small segment of people not only who can deliver that message over the phone, but who are willing to deliver it over the phone. So, you know, good for you. Yeah. And then jumping to the next question, which I think we've already drawn on a few of these, but what's one common misconception about your role? I'll start it again. Do it. Uh, Great. Thank you. We kind of touched (laughs) on it before, but I think the idea that marketing, that growth is marketing. I really think like there's, there's a bunch of different functions in it, um, including what you said about product. I think that's, that's a really good point, which I forgot to mention the first time I defined it. Um, So uh, moving away from the idea that it's all marketing and that marketing is like um, all you need as a, as a startup towards the idea that the growth is a little more holistic and uh, can look very different in different organizations. So you really need to define what you're doing in your growth role to really understand what what that role is. I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, that's a great point. And I, I think, you know, I'll take there, there's two layers of misconception. Right. Uh, and I think Grant alluded to the one who people who know you know, who have some degree of knowledge, right, have a have a bit of an understanding. Then you take it a step further to folks who don't work in tech um, and the misconceptions about a growth role are, are basically like, you know, it's it's cufflinks and and uh, and uh, steak dinners. Right. There's still a little of that um, out there. Um, and, uh, you know, I think the other misconception is like it, it's it's people don't really maybe fully understand the level of of. The, the, the level of depth you need across so many different things, like, cause there's, there's art to this, there's science to this, there's math to this, right. You have to know a little bit about everything. And, you know, something that I maybe didn't appreciate earlier in my career with respect to revenue ops is like, um, uh, you know, how detail oriented you, you need to be. Right. Um, and, and again, early stage, that detail orientation looks different. It's about making sure that, you know, you follow up with that client every three days, right. Until they, until they either tell you, you know, uh, no, or they, they move forward. And then at this stage, it's really, it's like, it's, 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 um, you know, it's, it's making data driven decisions. So understanding where your focus is from a sales BD funnel, um, uh, you know, marketing point of view, what, what is going to be required. Um, yeah. So the misconception I think is that you don't, you don't work like you work, you work a lot, but maybe you don't know the details, like you're not a grinder. Um, and, uh, yeah, like there's a lot of grinding, right? Like you, you got to, you got and you got to grind in so many different ways. So uh, I don't know if that's a that's an express misconception, but I know a lot of my friends who who don't work in tech like are just like, hey, like you just like like take people out to lunch and stuff, right? I'm like, well, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual lunches. What, what, that's what I signed up for when I started to be absolutely. Yeah, that's I right. Steak dinner. Steak, yeah. Stampede parties in my honor. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. One day, Grant. One day. <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually um, I would add just a little bit to that, which I think is uh, a lot is expected of people in growth, and and maybe that's why prioritization is becoming such an important part of the role. Like you've got a billion different levers to pull, and like a growth manager needs to know kind of like all the levers, but not but which ones to pull at which times, and that, and that kind of thing, which is um, which is very strategic, and you need to study that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, it's not like all of the buckets that you guys have talked about all at the same time, all at the same speed. It's like mm-hmm. knowing how to actually strategically balance those. I think that's a super, super great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and uh, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Sorry, I know we're, we're no. we got time, but I'm gonna tack on to what Grant said and, and because you know that prioritization scheme. So, um, and this will probably get into you know common mistakes versus common misconceptions, but. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it just right now because, uh, a lot of folks in a startup realm, um, you know, they'll, they'll evaluate books like the talk about growth, like, um, and they'll, um, they'll say things like, Hey, we ran an experiment, right. In order to help establish a priority. And, um, one of the misconceptions I guess would be, uh, an experiment's not what everybody thinks it is, right? Like a lot of startups or, or early stage folks uh, will say it's an experiment, but really what they did is they tried something, right? And an experiment implies like measurement and variable control. So you know, you know, was it like, did we not sell that thing because it was Shub who called it or because the product is right? Like, so even early stage, right? One of the misconceptions I think is if you're not, you're not keeping an eye on, on, even in those manual stages, like what the outcomes are and what's driving those outcomes, you, you can't go, um, I forget uh, Grant's super smart thing he said uh, earlier, like going from uh, effective to efficient. I can't remember that's one of the right. ones. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't make that jump. So I think that, well, that's just a popular misconception is like, yeah, you go out there and you pew, 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 and you try stuff and then, you know, you put the billboard or up and then suddenly you're a bajillionaire, right? Like it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> Well, thank Unless you it that. does, yeah. And we can, Unless we can it does, keep... in which case, in which case, somebody please get me a billboard. <laughs> there you go. Um, so for the next question, this is going to be. I'm just going to put this into two parts because I think they kind of feed into each other. But part one is what was most appealing to you about deciding to go work for a startup, and then what was the biggest trade-off when you decided to make that change? We're back to you. Oh, come on, Grant. Um, so, so this is kind of, in some respects, like not my first one, but so I'll speak to both the kind of the, the two experiences. So, um, you know, the first time around, the appeal was like, it was just like, it was a, a almost a challenge to oneself, right? Like, could I be a VP of sales at this uh, app dev and services company? I remember sitting down, like in bed the night before I started and I turned to my wife and she, I was like, hey, tomorrow I start as like the VP of sales of this you know, the services company, but I don't really know what that job is. (laughs) Uh, And she was like, yeah, you'll figure it out. And then she went to bed. Uh, So um, I I think that like that, um, you know, that decision point the first time around was really about challenging oneself. This time coming to this one was really um, about taking sort of that everything I'd done was like a pure B2B, um, you know, like that direct, kind of sales with a little bit of marketing sprinkled in this, this challenge was really about uh, it's such a different business model. And there's so much uh, like there's so much of the hand to hand sales, but there's also the robotification and there's also a B2C piece. It was really around that evolution of that next level is, 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 uh, uh, is working through that whole skill set. So um, yeah, I mean, just in a general point of view, and not season specifically, the general piece was about kind of you know challenging oneself to do something you've always wanted to do, I guess, um, which you know fits with what I always did want to do, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Grant, do you want to take a stab? Most appealing thing about working at a startup? Yeah. Uh, for me, it's about the the potential to build something big. Um, I've I've done a few different things, and I've kind of come to the conclusion that 
what would be meaningful for me in my life would be to build big tech companies in Calgary, um, which is niche and has a geographical focus, which people hate. But um, I think that's what I want to do. I, like I, I want to build <laughs> companies that can employ people, give them good jobs, and, and make, basically make the, play, the world a better place. Because um, you can be based anywhere to build a great company. And the, uh, the knock-on effects of even a single large tech company in a city like Calgary are massive. Yeah, no, for sure. And then, yeah, I guess in contrast to that, what was the biggest trade-off for you when you made that change? I don't think anyone's going to be surprised by this, but you trade away money for equity. <laughs> Um, you you trade yeah you trade cash you know you trade short-term cash flow for sure i think that's one of the biggest um yeah i would say i think that's generally like uh you you trade off you trade off a different career path potentially right like you could you could go you know a lot of folks in roles like this could end up in you know senior roles at 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 a big four consulting firm or elsewhere right so you you really are just trading off a different career path and it's like um it's uh it's it's trading a you know a double for a potential you know grand slam or home run right like so it's 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 the safety right so it's it's comp it's benefits it's it's a little bit of that that a safety or security although I've always told people you're no less or more safe and secure at a startup than you are at a big firm it's just the mechanism through which you can lose your gig is a little bit different um, so yeah I think Grant's probably spot on um, yeah and and you know. I think there's there's a popular misconception about startups is that oh yeah when you make that that commit like your your sacrifice is also you always working right um, and you work a lot but you also it's balanced right because you have the flexibility of the work so you probably are putting in and and you take one of those other roles you're probably working you're probably the type of person who's going to make yourself work a lot so. Um, you know, I don't buy into the one where you're like, you're, you're putting in a bunch more work. You, you're, you're probably putting in just as much work. It's just, it's, it, in fact, it's nice. Cause you have a little more, more flexibility typically. Right. Yeah. And I think it seems like one thing that's come up between both of you too, is that your role might be a little bit less focused, but in a good way, but that's also dependent on the type of person that you are. Because some people who I remember I actually got told when I was trying to decide if I wanted to work for an ad agency originally, they're like, okay, if you want to be an, or a copywriter, that's all you are. You are just a copywriter. But if you go into a role like growth, like you are getting that exposure, but with that also comes like less of a lack of control and less of an ability to dive like super deep into a particular like skill set too, which I think is like, you can be a really great benefit if that's the type of person you are, but it's also something that's good to be aware of if, if that's not who you are at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's that's spot on, and to me, it kind of highlights the, the second trade-off that I, I see. Well, you both touched on it, but basically, you lose um, you, you lose structure and you gain autonomy, and that's got trade-offs within it. Because if you have more autonomy, you have to make more decisions, and if you are new in your career, making those decisions is exhausting. You can make bad decisions, <laughs> and you're going to spend a lot more time working. And I, I see that a lot in like really early-stage people who take their first job in a startup because they don't know how to code and they need to learn what to code. That kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of trade-offs to it. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good great, point. Great points. Um, so for the next question, which we've kind of talked about, but and try to bucket this out. It's, I know it's hard, but what does your day-to-day work actually look like? And if you had to put it in a few different buckets, and understanding that you know you guys obviously have to prioritize depending on the stage you're at. Um, so maybe even to focus it a little bit more, let's talk about what that looks like right now. My typical day today? Yeah, your typical day today, like what kind of buckets of work fit into that? 
Okay. Uh, I'll make it quick so we can you can dig into whatever you find interesting. Yeah. Uh, so we've got the, the kind of the marketing, the growth segment, <clears throat> the traditional part, the, the sales, the marketing, the account work, and that's one bucket, as I am right now. It's a lot of partnership development, um, business development, uh, and so search engine marketing right now. Uh, my second bucket would probably be uh, general leadership, so coordinating a team of people to uh, accomplish a whole bunch of different things at once, painting the vision, making sure everyone's kind of aligned and going in the right direction, they understand how they fit into what we're trying to do, uh, which is crucial, I think, for, for teams at the stage where they start growing like this, especially because we're, we're born fully remote. So a lot of our team has actually never met face-to-face. Um, they're in four cities across Canada. Um, and the final one is analytics. So really diving into the numbers of what's going on. And um, it's not experiments, <laughs> to be clear. It's, it's like more like looking through old data and figuring out what uh, can be gleaned from that. Um, and calling customers to back it up. And it's nowhere near the rigor that you'd expect from an experiment. But at this stage, it's enough. Because if you've got you know, radical, um, really radical results in certain areas, you can act on that for sure. Yeah, and I guess even just to keep the flow of this, we'll stay with you as the mm-hmm. second question, and then we'll switch back to Shub. But what's like a project that you've worked on that you're most proud of that's kind of brought all of those things together? Uh, probably one of the first projects I ever did for Good Lawyer, um, which was simply customer calls. So, so we have a, a, a fairly transactional service, so people can use our service to connect with the lawyer for a 15-minute advice session. Um, it costs about 40 bucks, and you usually get one answer to one question kind of thing. Um, when I started, I basically called every customer that had ever used the service and just talked to them to see like how to go. Um, do you like it? Do you not like it? What don't you like? What can we do better? Um, have you told your friends about us? Have you written a Google review? Um, so I did all, all those calls. There's about 100 of the backlog when I started. Um, and then I initiated that as a, a project going ahead. And the, the results were pretty immediate. So we immediately fixed up a bunch of bugs because we caught a bunch of things that were actually technically wrong. Um, we turned a bunch of customer experiences around. We got them to rebook. We gave them the free promo codes, that kind of thing. Uh, and we secured a whole bunch of reviews, which is really good. And we got some referrals to, to friends. Uh, we then made that more automatic, we got um, systems in place and now that's that's rolling. And if you ever use GoodLayer, you can expect to get a call from someone to, to see how things went. I feel like our one takeaway from this is calling people is still a thing. Nope, I think, no, I don't know if that's true. <clears throat> uh, no, that's, that's awesome. That really sheds a lot of light on how all of those pieces actually do work together. And even just the little snippets of pieces that come out of it, like, you know, have you written a review? Oh, here's how do we keep you coming back through some kind of referral code? I think those are all really important takeaways. Um, Shub, do you want to start with what your, your day-to-day looks like and what kind of buckets of work you focus on? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and there's definitely um, some similarity to what uh, Grant alluded to. So, um you know, there's people management um, is definitely part of the day. There's um, there's definitely like a data analytics. Again, we're probably at a di- slightly different stage, but uh, there's making sure that we're uh, we're both reporting on the right things and looking at the right things. Um, there's certainly a element of uh, I get, which is fun. I still get to do a bit of direct sales, right? So you know, there's a couple of those sprinkled in uh, throughout the course of the day, which is nice. Um, and then. Uh, uh, you know, uh, recruiting. So recruiting and hiring is a big part. Um, you know, that's that seems like it's always a job you think is going to 
you know, wax and wane, but it feels like it doesn't wane. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, the other part is uh, we are going through this transition, like we're trying to become more automated from a marketing automation point of view. So um, that's a big bucket, right, is, is running that program, but also getting your hands dirty and having to do a, a bit of it because you're trying to set up a framework and a structure that, you know, you espouse. So you're trying to make sure that the initial framework set, is set up correctly. Yeah, so there's there's those are probably the, the major things, Um you know, and then I think the other thing I try to make sure um, I do every day and, you know, try to get the team to do every day is, you know, again, because we're at the scale up stage, um, it's not like a traditional B2B or other gig where you, you kind of used to set quarterly or month, you know, biannual or annual sort of targets and then see how you're doing on a month to month basis. This is the type of thing where if you're not, if, if you haven't done something today that's moved the needle, then, you know, honestly, today was a failure, right? So even within all that strategic and, uh, uh, operational stuff, like literally, you know, there's a tactical element that, you know, did I do something to add a new client today? Right. And so, um, you know, that's probably a bucket that, that, um, want to make sure never slides off the table. Right. So that, that I try to sort of focus in at least a part of my day every day to that too. I feel like I just saw into the future for good lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Well, there yeah, feels like you guys are on a good a good path. Uh, you know, um, you might need about twenty more people to make calls. It sounds like the way you're growing, but you know, uh, that's that's a good problem. What's that? What, we call that a good problem to have. We need, we need someone in the Eastern time zones. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Some yeah. long hours happening. Um, yeah. And then Daniel, I guess the yeah. projects you know you're most proud of. Like, yeah, that's a tough one because I mean, you get to do. Uh, so I think one of the things that's been cool for me coming here is I've had to dust off skill sets I haven't used in a long time. Like I've had to get my hands dirtier, you know, uh, within systems and technically than I have in a long time, because that was, that was a bit of our gap coming in was, uh, you know, we had the art down. It was the science that uh, we needed some work on. Um, you know, so just the general project, like building out, you know, a, a whole uh, marketing automation uh, toolkit to our end customers and stuff. Right. Uh, uh, you know, there, there was a couple of projects that were really fun to do because I hadn't done anything like that before. Or if I had, you know, it was back when the technology did not operate the same way it does now. <laughs> um, you know, I would say, though, this is going to sound like a big project. Uh, I'll tell you what, right now, I, I think the biggest um, project that we're all most proud of here, and, and I'm certainly, you know, part of this this team and we're, we're super psyched about is like, I mean, like we got through this last quarter, right? I mean, so we, 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 I mean, people talk about running a startup and the challenges and all those types of things. Like, like there's never been anything uh, like uh, anyone's experience from a business perspective, you know, starting, let's say, March 10th. And so the project that we're most proud of, especially with Zazen, given the, the nature of our business is, uh, um, you know, we, we, A, we stayed in business. We didn't let anybody go. Um, you know, we secured a round of financing. Um, we managed all our risk tolerances appropriately. Um, we built a, just a, like a lot of stuff on the fly. Um, yeah, and, and, and not, you know, this thing is by no means over, but, we, you know, we certainly came outside the other side with a, with a product and platform that, that is elastic enough, right, to, to come through this. And, and, uh, and so, you know, I'd say that's the thing, like currently, like I'm most proud of, like I get to work at a company in Calgary that, 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 that accomplished those things. Right. Um, and to Grant's point, you know, it's, it's, you know, when we talked about coming to a startup earlier, you know, why you, um, you know, why this one in particular was about the people and to echo exactly what Grant said, like it was this opportunity to maybe do more stuff in Calgary that's going to lift up this ecosystem. And, um, 
yeah, like it was super reinforced through this three months. Like it's the best group of people and the most capable group of people. And, and I can't imagine like trying to navigate the last three months without this group of people. So that sounds like a weird project to say, Hey, you made it through a pandemic, but, um, uh, because obviously it was not a planned, uh, project, but, uh, you know, that's probably the thing, not only am I most proud of, uh, you know, and obviously there's a sense of recency bias. I think when I look back, uh, forever, right. Um, you know, I'll look back at that experience, um, as like being unbelievable, right. Like just, just, our ability to do that as a group um just blows my mind right so sorry yeah, that went long-winded as usual yeah no honestly i think that that's that is a huge accomplishment seriously like um and i'm glad that you pointed it out because i think that it's just a it's a reality of the time that we're in and worth celebrating celebrating those accomplishments so um, my next question before we kind of dive into more of the, you know, if you're actually going to look for, into working for a startup, how that, what that looks like is how has working for a startup actually progressed your career? And like, are there any learnings that you've had or experiences that you think has actually maybe pushed you along further than you would have, uh, otherwise? Grant, do you want to start? Sure. Um, I guess a career in startups is a weird career, um, for a couple of reasons. One is you don't get any mentorship when you start. So um that can be really risky if you want to start a startup uh the other thing that's kind of cool though is you generally start at like the c-suite level on your first day and then you kind of backfill people underneath you so unlike climbing a corporate ladder you're basically building a, a startup mound sort of thing <laughs> and the goal is not to slip off and get replaced by your angry investors um but uh that is that is kind of how the, your career will change from what i've seen um yeah and I think seen. that speaks to too like the stage that you guys are at as well and like there is the side of like what at what point are you actually entering a startup and how is that experience different so like entering at like the c-suite level versus like maybe coming in as a you know a specialist or a coordinator or all of the different positions that exist kind of under the mound as you put it so yeah I think that's a really good point that uh, wasn't a very romantic way to put it but <laughs> I didn't think that metaphor yeah, that was pretty start uh, startup mound uh, I think that uh, <laughs> That'll be the name of your incubator grant in five years. Welcome to the mound, boys. <laughs> You'll love That's it. Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Uh, yeah, in terms of progressing my career, like, again, kind of going all the way back, you know, working at Mentor Engineering back in the day was, like, the opportunity to do a bunch of different things, progress your career in a way that um, – you got exposure to so many different things. Right. So, um, and which is hard to do at a, you know, at a, in a larger firm. Um, and, uh, so it progresses your career because it gives you an opportunity to figure out what you like, but also it progresses your career because whether you realize it or not, you're building this baseline knowledge and all these other things that, that at some point, you know, will come in handy. So, uh, you know, even if you're not, you know, uh, a developer, if you spend a bunch of time, you know, uh, managing or, uh, dev teams or working in agile teams as a product owner or a project manager, you pick up enough, uh, right. That you, you at least know what you're talking about, uh, sort of. Um, so I think the progression in terms of just that exposure, uh, and knowing a lot of knowing a little about every part of the business, I think is really cool. Um, more recently, I think the big pro progression for me has been, uh, you know, kind of transitioning into something that's not bootstrap, but is, uh, um, funded externally is like, you know, obviously you love to surround yourself with smart people. And then, then you get smart people who know a lot of stuff, right. <laughs> uh, and it's a whole different, uh, learning experience and it helps progress your career in that, um, 
well, if you, a, if you do a good job, you've built out like a network of people you might not have had access to before. Um, but then B, like you learn, like the stuff you can learn in a 20 minute conversation with, uh, with a board member exceeds what you might've learned in six months in your whole career. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's a, that's probably, um, another big thing, um, for me. Yeah. I think pace is a super important piece that you learn quick. Um, even though like, yeah, maybe direct mentorship isn't always there, especially at like an entry level C-suite role, but even if it's not direct mentorship, you're, you know, 20 minutes with a member of your other, another senior leadership member or board member is just so, so valuable. So really good point. Um, last question about the role specifically. Um, what is your favorite tool to get the job done? Your favorite growth tool? Do you want to take a guess? The phone? The phone. <laughs> Do I get two? Nailed it. it. Yeah, you I get two. One. <laughs> uh, I, I like Google ads. I think you, you get results pretty quick. And if you don't, um, start seeing some sales you can't really talk to customers so uh, google ads are my number two yeah um, you will pay for results but you will get results so that's kind of cool yeah something that's actually measurable mm-hmm. shell what about you yeah um um i would say uh there's probably two a, a proper a proper analytics toolkit um, so right now my favorite tool is, is something our VP of product brought in, which is a tool called segment, which allows us to stitch all of our data together. And then we use this, uh, open source BI platform, which is awesome. And, and so that BI platform came in very early stage and, and started to answer a lot of questions for us. So, um, so that's kind of a super nerdy answer, but the ability to unify your data across all the different platforms you might be using. And then, uh, the second favorite tool, like we just rolled HubSpot and it's not that I'm explicitly like. Uh, although people internally would tell you otherwise that, you know, I'm a, uh, you know, uh, I'm a paid consultant for or a paid ad for HubSpot. Um, but I think one of the mistakes a lot of early stage uh, startup scale ups make is um, um, they start to pick a bunch of disparate solutions, either A, because they think something is best in breed or B, because they're trying to save money. Um and uh, I'm a big believer you wrap it all under one umbrella. Um, and then you worry about best in breed later when, when you're, you know, it's valuable enough to do best in breed. So um, I think HubSpot's a really valuable tool because it brings, you know, um, even if, you know, you don't have full web dev capability, it brings your CMS under the same house as your marketing platform, as your customer success platform, as your sales platform. And anything that you might lose because, hey, constant contact does email 3% better, you gain in like massive strides because now you've got all your functionality under one uh, under one umbrella so i think crm still is is um i think uh crm is still classically by so many people thought is like a sales opportunity management platform and um you know that's like you know that's like a, a i don't even know like that's like describing um you know your your iphone as like an email checker right like it's just it's just such like a tiny part of what its capability is so um to me that's like a uh you know uh, that's a that's a big component and and i don't i actually disagree with a lot of people I, I don't think it's ever too early um to to make that investment in a crm and, and marketing platform um uh, because then, then at some point you've got so much operational or tech debt or data debt, right? Um, you know, you're, you're talking about a bigger lift. So, uh, those are my two favorites, I would say. Awesome. Well, so now we're going to dive into some questions around P 
people who are actually looking for a job at a startup? What does that look like? Where do they find them? Who should they be talking to? Um, so that is my first question, which is if you're looking for a job at a startup, where where are you looking for that? Do they exist online? Should you be reaching out to people? What's your uh, what's your approach, Shub? Do you want to go first? I, I honestly I don't have any good advice on this one um, because you know for me uh, I came to the one before this just through a connection that you know I'd made um, you, you know when I was at Rogers and I came to this one because uh, as you know Danielle Darcy and I have been friends for a really long time and um, I just sort of said hey I want to work together. Um, so I guess if you're interested in working for a startup, it's going to sound so ridiculous, uh, like network, I guess. Um, but um, um, yeah, it's not, you know, it's funny. It's not an easy world to sort of crack into, right? Oddly, right? Because you, you, we sort of, you know, you fancy this world is like sort of really open and, hey, everybody knows everybody, but everybody knows everybody in the bubble, right? Like, um, I think one thing we've done a disservice of in this town is we haven't done a great job of reaching across into um, the other areas to pull people across or through, right? Um, like there's still a lot of, it's, it's still somewhat insular, right? Like everybody, you know, we work within tech, so we know um, people in tech. Um, and, I, and maybe we're getting better at that, certainly now that there's sort of a more opportunities to pull, pull folks across. But yeah, if you're interested in working for a startup, uh, you guys know probably better than I do about, you know, some of the, the, the in, injecting yourself into the startup ecosystem. But it, I would say probably a little bit of is like you take a page out of Grant's book and start calling people, right? Like uh, if you really want to go work at a startup, like especially in growth, like, you know, find a way to get yourself in the door, right? Um, so, yeah, I don't have great advice there. Sorry. <laughs> Still advice. And I think the the breaking through the bubble is definitely an important part. And how do you actually do that? Because for someone who's in tech, it feels maybe easy to find a job at a startup because you kind of know everybody people talk about opportunities all the time but if you're outside of that yeah how do you find it so i think those are those are still really great pieces of advice mm-hmm. and grant what would you say uh, I, I think you gave great advice because you mentioned that you networked and got the job through a connection i think that's it's common in every industry and i think pretty much all of my jobs have been like that um every single one actually in my entire career uh so <laughs> i guess the, the difference between a startup and like a typical job, though, is I think the job board is, at least in early stage startups, the job board is even less likely to find you a job. Um, yeah, because 100%. Yeah, I would agree. From my experience, like the startup doesn't know they need someone until they need it that day. And then they're like, oh, my God, we need to get this person. And like, we're ready to hire today. Um, boards are too slow. So well, they'll just reach out to a friend and, and fill a role. And I don't know, Grant, if you agree, but also like it's hard. It, it's hard to both describe the role you need early stage and it's even harder to evaluate someone's skill set from a resume, right? Like the, the skill set, like what's on paper is very hard to translate to, a, hey, I need a Swiss Army knife, right? Like, so I think that's why that, that one degree or two degrees away is obviously the most common thing. But I said, it just feels like such, like the grants point, like you get a job by networking, right? Like, I mean, and it's, it's no different here. <laughs> it's just you have to make sure you establish, um, you know, you have to make sure you establish the right network. Totally. And I think maybe that's like uh, one tip on, on networking, which is like uh, do it before you need the job and yeah, actually great call. Good advice. maintain connections with those people until they need you. Um, and then the second thing, which is maybe uniquely startup is how open startups are to taking people who are funded by the government in some way. Um, so if you're a student or if you're applicable for any kind of government funding and you know that funding exists and 
you know you you work for it you you qualify um and you come to a startup saying like i can work for you i've got you know half my wages covered by the government will you hire me like most startups i know would say yeah yeah that's a super good point actually excellent advice (laughs) self-fund with non-dilutive capital and you will get a job yep maybe maybe (laughs) yeah for sure. I yeah. know with Venture no, for Canada. No, it's great. That's a great, 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 great point, Grant. Yeah. Get on that Venture for Canada job board. Is there a Venture for Canada job board? Yep. If you're, if you're a student, you just have to apply. And then that way you're actually already pre-approved. So the startup can apply and then instantly what? hire you. Yep. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, learned, yeah. I've learned something from this podcast. Perfect. So. That's the goal. It's not all give or it's not all take here. <laughs> Um, so this actually feeds really well into the next question. So building on that, when it comes to the actual application or interview process, are there certain aspects of like an individual's background or experience that they should focus on highlighting or even just preparing to put their best foot forward in that interview? Yeah, I can take this one. Maybe, uh, we, we have actually, um, our COO is, um, um, amazing and so we actually have a fairly rigorous um process like especially for the stage that we're at um um yeah and then when it comes to the application or interview process you know what you know how should people position you know their ability oh i mean um you know let's you kind of have to divide that a bit into you know where they're at in their career um but to a certain extent i think the prevailing element is like what you're what you're you're trying to to get out of that interview process is really three things right like it's it's one is like actual personality fit so i know this is tough because people get nervous in interviews but like demonstrate that you have a personality um uh provided it's a good one um and then uh the other two things would be um you know the other thing you're trying to again in a startup role it's like it's I don't want to say it's less about the specific experience or expertise because of course that's important. But you know, the the second thing is that you're trying to really like identify whether that person has a motor, like, are they going to just be able to take stuff and run with it? Because that's ultimately a big part of any of this, right? If I've got to handhold you, there's no, there's no four layers of management where a manager can spend 12 hours a week showing you how to do something Um, maybe early, but not for long. Right. Um, So you, you have to really, you have to really be able to articulate like that, what Tate calls like, you know, he'll ask like, Hey, tell us about a time when you hacked something, right? Like, you know, just figure something out. And, 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 uh, and it's a really, really illustrative question. Um, and then the final thing of course is, you know, highlight your expertise and be really specific. Like a big turnoff for me when I hear people uh, talk about their experiences, like, yeah, you know, we did a big marketing program and we generated 200% new leads. And I'm like, great. What did you do specifically? Like, um, so, uh, so highlight that day in life, highlight the, the you, like the, your ability to, to run up the stack, right? Like show me that you can uh, wash dishes, but you can also get up in front of a group of 30 people and, and, uh, articulate a value prop. And I don't care if you're in sales or in marketing or anything, like if any single person on our team should be able to, to, to in their own way, give, give, give the pitch. Right. So, um, yeah, I guess those those three things, and then of course, if you know, you know, actually specific skill sets to know what you're doing, um, that's important. And and of course, this is specific to what you know the area that we're talking about right now within the growth realm. Obviously, if we're hiring for you know a tech more technical or dev role, you know, you shift around, uh, uh, you know, some of those priorities. But you know, I think a lot of it still holds true. Yeah, and Grant, what do you what do you think about that? 
What are some ways to prep for that application or interview process? I think he stole all of my ideas. No, I uh, very <laughs> thorough, Sam. Yeah. Good work. Yeah. <laughs> Good news. My, my answer will be shorter um, because I've, he's covered it all. Um, I I love certifications, so I'm a big fan. Like hmm. I know they're I know they're free. I know they're online. I know anyone can get them. But the fact that you understand that uh, Google has a skill shop where you can get Google Ads training uh, tells me that you're not just a guy who like logged into a free trial or something. Um, same goes for sales. I think a lot of people end up in sales without any kind of certifications. They just like it's you know they were painting houses one day and like that became you know the defining feature of their life. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily mean you know how to do any sales. So any kind of technical certifications are going to help, even if they're free. Also, um, yeah, don't be afraid to speak the language of the hiring manager when you're making your resume because you like you said you can be really specific about like how you got those leads for that marketing campaign. Like was that was that a Facebook campaign? Because that's different to me than if you ran it on uh, Instagram, even. Yep. Well, and I, I think your first point about certifications, Grant, also demonstrates a bit of that that motor, right? Like, you're, we're looking for other ways for you to show us, right? Like, um, even if it's not related expressly to the job, if someone's like, oh, here's this great portfolio I built myself, or here's this, uh, you know, here's my personal... Uh, here's my personal blog and because I wanted to do it, I figured out how to use Squarespace or Wix or something, right? Like show me that you're willing to figure stuff out. Um, and yeah, I think certifications are a great example of that. Like, yeah. Do I think it's the be all end all? No, but I mean, at least it shows me that, you know, you're out there trying to figure stuff out and learn stuff. right? Yeah. Those are both really good points. Um, so this plays into that. I'm going to ask you how you knew you would be a fit for the culture of the companies that you're currently working in, but then maybe tie that back into what you're looking for for culture fit when you're hiring. I can start. Do it. I uh, don't want Chubb to take all your answers. Uh, so. Mine's yeah, easy. No, Mine's I'm, gonna, I'm easy. looking forward to taking Grant's hours, answers on this one. If you do, I'll be really surprised. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I actually consulted for Goodler before I started with them. So I consulted with them for two months. Um, Cause that's what I like to do on the side of my other work. And uh, by the time I was done that two months, I knew the product was awesome, the culture was good, and that I was going to fit in great. So when, when I did decide to go full-time with them, it was a pretty easy choice. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, for culture, things we look for now, um, we, we are actively developing our culture. Um, but what the main thing I see right now is that you need to be able to make decisions and live with the consequences. Um, even if you're, you're hmm. a frontline worker of any kind. Um, you need to be able to make those choices because we do not have management time to uh, micromanage anyone. Yeah, so oh, even like really, clean up your really own messes, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. And, and like the messes probably aren't that big of a deal. You yeah, know, like honestly, totally. you, like yeah. if you went out and actually set a customer on fire, like that would be upsetting, but also like we can get a, we can get yeah. a, we can get a fire extinguisher, yeah. it's fine. Yeah, and the, <laughs> the great news is once you do that, you know where to get a lawyer, right? <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, we got lots. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would, uh, uh, probably echo, uh, first of all, I would say plus one to both those things. Grant said that the, um, uh, the micromanagement one is a great point, right? Um, um, I think that how I knew I would be a fit here. So, uh, you know, coming out of previous experiences, I, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. And I also really knew what I was looking for from a leadership point of view. And so again, I, I was nice for me cause I knew Darcy, uh, uh, previously and I knew what the type of person he was. So that was good, but you, uh, you don't really know how you're going to fit. And, and similar to um, to Grant, you know, I came in initially sort of uh, to, to sort of try it out. And I remember coming home on the third day 
and I turned to my wife and I said, Oh man, I think, I think, I think this is it. Right. Like, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, not everybody has the, um, you know, the, the risk tolerance or the financial flexibility to try something like that. I mean, of course it's easy for me to say and grant to say, Hey, just, you know, go try it or consult with them and make sure it works. Right. Like, okay, well, yeah, it works for all of us, but, uh, but, you know, do your best to try to try to figure out what type of people they are. Right. Like, so yeah, get understanding the role of the business, but like, if you want to know if you're a fit, um, yeah, like try, like try your best to even during the interview process, meet them in a setting that's maybe it's really hard right now, obviously, but meet them in a setting that's a little less formal or, um, or, um, yeah. So that one's tough. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 you got to know the type of people you're getting into bed with, especially if, if it's something that you're coming in at a leadership stage, right? You, you know, you want to know, you know, like trust, right? You want to know that these are the right people because trust, obviously, because that's your day to day, but from a financial upside perspective, trust, right? Like, because there is no, there's no hard and fast rule in the startup that, Hey, this, this, this equity or options that you are getting are going to be actually uh, maintained and worth anything you you really want you know there's an element of having to put your trust in the integrity of the folks who who found uh, found the business um and then uh i think i did i answer both i can't remember one was uh what how, how i knew i was fit and then the other was yeah. whether someone knows her fit yeah yeah it. that's good and what you're yeah so what you're looking for yeah is just someone who i don't know someone who fits <laughs> Yeah, I really like your point about um, picking an interview location that actually fits the culture you're trying to create. That's probably one of the best pieces of advice I've ever been given. And also like probably one of the bigger mistakes that I've made too is just like, yeah, sure. go take someone for a walk or a coffee. Like that actually is when you get to know the person, not like some, you know, if it's a really stuffy interview environment when that's not the culture that you're trying to create, um, that can actually shoot you in the foot so quickly if that's not what that person's looking for as well. So very good point. Um, what would you say that you should consider when you're evaluating an offer from a startup? I've got some thoughts here, Grant, if you want me to go first. Um, uh, okay. Well, first of all, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to preface this a little by saying it does depend on what stage you're at in your career for sure. Um, but ultimately, um, I'm constantly amazed by people who take roles at startups and do not have at least a reasonable understanding of the math that is associated what 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 their value, like what their personal equity or value is going to be, you know, in a number of different scenarios, right? So, like, um, you know, sure, if you're getting a salary, you're getting options, you're getting equity, um, great. Um, what constantly blows my mind is you know, like i said is people will get that equity and they won't know based on a one three five year model what their equity is going to be worth based on certain parameters of, of the company so you, uh, that's probably the best advice like it doesn't have to be firm and fixed like you can have a, a dilution factor that you sort of estimate but like you know no like if you put this thing in for five years and it goes 20x are you getting you know uh 50 bucks or, you know, uh, uh, 50,000 bucks or 5 million bucks, right? Like you really need to understand that. And you should have a direct comparison, especially if you're evaluating startup career against, you know, a different career, you should know exactly what the Delta is right between what you're giving up. Um, because, um, then it becomes very easily. So if you know that you're giving up X dollars a year based on a certain upside, 
then you also know that, hey, that how do I apply like the tangible and intangible view to that delta every year, right? If it's something you really love, okay, you know what? I'll give up that twenty or $30,000 because I love it. Oh, by the way, I have flexibility to come and go. Um, you know, that's worth this amount to me, right? So like really, really tangibly understand um, the numbers, right? Um, and, and ask to understand the numbers. Uh, uh, so that one actually, like I said, it, 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 it's um, that's probably the, when you're evaluating an offer that's the pure financial aspect, understand, like really get, like force yourself to understand the details. And if you don't know how to evaluate it, try to find somebody to reach out to somebody who can help you, right? Um, and then, um, you know, the other thing to consider is, uh, you know, it's the usual stuff, right? Like like I talked about earlier, like, um, you know, um, do they do the founders of the people you work for operate with integrity? Um, you, you know, um, is this the life for you? That sounds super cheesy, right? But, you know, do your best, right? Do your best to try to go, yeah, this is what I, this is what I'm interested in doing and figuring out. And like, you know, Grant raised a great point early. Like if you're straight out of school or first thing in your career, maybe it's not the best thing to do, you know, first and foremost, right? Like maybe you should go get a real gig for a bit and see what the other side is like. Um, but uh, yeah, I would say those are two, two things. Like a lot of this stuff is the usual, right? But, you know, I would say really keenly understanding your, your, uh, especially in a growth role, like, um, you know, what, what personal potential value you're going to take out of this thing in a few different scenarios is really critical. Yeah, those are really good points. And good to point out that you can ask those questions. Like that's not, people are there to help you learn and they want you to understand. So go ahead and, and just ask. No harm. Well, yeah. And I'll, I, they might not be used to being asked too. So they might not know. Right. So sometimes uh, they'll be like, oh, great question. Like, uh, let's figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> right? So, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, I think that's a, a fantastic answer. Far better than I, than I could have given. The only thing I want to add is, um, uh, just for growth people, commission is really hard in startups. Um, if you're if you're being offered something that's mostly commission, like I would just say don't do it, um, because the well, product yeah. <laughs> either sucks or doesn't exist or there's no one else selling it, so they have no idea what you're actually going to earn. Um, yeah. Just stay away from I, yeah. commission at this stage. Great call. Like, uh, I, yeah, I yeah, I couldn't agree more. Really fact, important it might be a point. Pyramid scheme. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, it also may mean they have no idea what growth means, right? Especially early stage, right? And 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 if they're hiring you early and they want you to work on commission, that's mental, right? Like you're part of the deal, right? Like part of the deal is, is you're working for upside. If you wanted to go get a gig with commission, you'd go sell software at, at Microsoft, right? Like, you know, so um, um, yeah, great, great point. I, just to, to tag on to, to Grant's point specific to the growth or if you're in a sales role specifically, if you are... The first salesperson really understand that and really be confident that you you can sell this. Or if you are a salesperson who's brought in to go, hey Grant, um, you know we have never sold this before in this place. Um, that's that's as dangerous a place to be as them having never sold anything. And 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 when I say dangerous, I mean I don't mean it's a bad thing because it can be a great thing for certain people. But so many early stage companies or startups will be like. Hey, you know what? Uh, we should sell our stuff in uh, Quebec, but we've never done that before, or or a different geography. Period. Or, or you know, uh, you know, I, you know, this is not at all going to be applicable. But let's say, good lawyer. Uh, you know what? We should have a good doctor and go sell this, right? Like, like be really cognizant. Um, I'm a firm believer when a startup or early stage is doing a new product or new something or new geography, 
it should be that founder of one degree away that sells that first deal so to prove it can be done. Um, so be really, really careful there. And then the last thing is if you're coming in a marketing role in a, in a growth org, um, and this is a great question we got asked as we've been going through this process is um, be very careful about organizations to sort of look at you as, as the answer to everything, right? Like as you and Daniel, you know this, everybody knows this, like there's so many different components to marketing. Like I talked to earlier, if someone's like, yeah, like, uh, you know, design and then marketing and I want some inbound. And if you can do AdWords and SEM and SEO and yammer yammer, like that's a pretty good recipe for um, they don't know uh, what it is and what they're expecting because, uh, and the reason, again, that's dangerous is it's about expectation setting. Like what are you actually tangibly going to deliver to that organization from a growth point of view? And do they have any understanding of, of, of what's possible or and what's probable? Because otherwise you're setting yourself up, you know, to, to potentially fail unless you're really outstanding, in which case, yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, like a, it's a good question to ask what is marketing because a lot of people think everything is marketing if it involves words, colors, or fonts. So, yeah, it's yeah. all colors and fonts. That's all I, it I'm, is. I believe, and calling. <laughs> I think um, there's enough in marketing that I'm actually not sure if Yammer Yammer is a platform I should be using. Is that? Did you make that up, or is that? Yeah, right? uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a growth strategy. It's going to be next door to Startup Mound at the incubator. It will be Yimmer Yammer. <laughs> just a just a content generating bot, basically. Okay. Um. So my second last question is: How could someone best prepare to take on a role like yours? Uh, I'll do it because mine's quick. Um, I, I would say get a role in an established but fast-growing tech company, tech company, and learn from people who are doing it. Um, in Calgary, like Benevity or Solium or Simon, are probably ideal candidates for that. Shem? Yeah, I wish I had again a great answer for this. I, I don't um, because I think uh, I, you know, sometimes it's a it's a it's a it's a it's just a series of circumstances. Um, I think that, um, you know, maybe what I could do is say, Hey, you know, what could I have done differently to better prepare, right. For roles like this is, is earlier in my career. And, um, you know, Grant talked a bit about this in his role. I just think doing like whatever it is, door to door sales, phone sales, do that sometime in your career, like, and do it early. Um, because if you can't do that, um, then, like everything else isn't going to work, right? Like you, if you cannot sell somebody something, you cannot pro properly articulate a value prop. You cannot properly evaluate whether a marketing campaign makes sense. Like, you know, sell something early. Um, uh, that's probably one of the things I would say. And find out if it's, it's, it's what you want to do, right? Because um, it's a lot different being, um, being the one to create content based on someone's direction versus being the one that has to think of what that content and value prop should be, Right. Um, so yeah, sell something early, um, and then you know to, to get yourself some opportunity to do some more formal training if you can, if you're lucky enough to do that. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's a probably probably one of the biggest things. And then and then you have to be technical, right? So um, I think this is another common misconception out there. Like you, there is no such thing in a tech company as a non-technical role. Um, you 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 can't you can't just be like like you know, I'm a, I'm a designer and I don't know how to build something with that design. Like we just don't have the flexibility to have systems that people can't use. Right. 
Um, so like, this is going to sound so dumb, but, uh, you know, you, like one of my key technical questions is like, how well do you know Excel? <laughs> right. And it's not just because necessarily I need you to use Excel, but it, because it's one of those tools where it, it, it sort of divides people very early, like in the people who use it as like a list and people who use it as an analytics platform. Um, and so, um, and if you can't do that, then I know you can't dig deep and figure out, um, um, you know, the Google analytics platform, or I know you can't figure out, you know, your, the CRM or marketing tool that we, we use. Right. So yeah, be technical, right? Like, like force yourself to, to make stuff, right? Like, um, uh, you know, Daniel, you know, I've talked about this before, like, you know, you did your own website and blog just to know that you could like force yourself to do stuff like that, because then you're like, you, you demonstrate that you can figure technical things out. Right. Sorry. That was a rant. Yeah. That was a great rant. (laughs) That was good. Loving all these rants. Um, so my last question and, and, and call, call a bunch of people, right. Like to Grant's point, I, I can't stress that enough. Right. Like it's just such a great skill set to have. If you don't have a phone. You now have to go buy one. Yeah. Practice your yeah. intro until you introduce yourself to your parents with the same intro. I like it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So my last question is just what are the podcast books, courses, whatever it might be that you would recommend for someone looking to either brush up on their knowledge or learn more about how to approach growth? Oh, good one. And I'm, I'm going to grant have a better answer and I will. So I'll let him go first. Good save. Uh, <laughs> no, I've, I've got three that are, that are pretty simple. I think um, first is 3 to 1 Growth Academy. I went through their course uh, recently, and I've got to say that, like, uh, even compared to, like, the full degree I have in this, it was very useful, um, very hands-on, very practical, and having resources like Carrie and Sarah and their team is just awesome. For the for, for the price, it's insane. Um, so shout out to 3 to 1. Yeah, I was going to say, we actually have a, another yeah. episode of the podcast recorded with 3 to 1. Click, so. cl- I know. Click, click this link for your yeah. promo code. Uh, no, yeah. I actually wrote that down too. Thanks, Graham. Yeah. You know, they're fantastic. And like, honestly, I, I would consider putting my like new hires at Goodler through their class because it, it's just mm. a good fundamentals and like um, very simple, accessible type platform. Yeah. Um, Tactically, HubSpot has some of the best content out there. So if you want to be like, okay, I want to, you know, I want to develop a user persona, user persona HubSpot, put it in Google, you'll find the template. It'll be super awesome for you. Uh, and then I guess third and final, I just did, thought of this when you mentioned Excel, but um, one of the things I did to see if I knew Excel was I downloaded the Uber analytics test because they have a, they're quite famous for having an analytics test where they make you do a mm. bunch of um, real operations work uh, during the interview. It's usually you have two hours to do it and uh, it really can't be faked because I, I tried it and totally messed it up. Um, so you can buy the test. It's like five bucks online and it's a great place to practice because um, they'll also give you uh, multiple ways to find each solution. Super cool. Yeah. Huh. Well, Grant's answers I told you would be better than mine. Um, so uh, I think the question, yeah, resources. Like, so um, I'm not a big people like Darcy especially sort of rolls his eyes when I talk about this. I, I not, I'm not a big nonfiction reader. I read a ton of fiction, but not a lot of nonfiction. But I did dig into one book, which was, uh, which was Traction um, two years ago and actually like forced myself through it and annotated it. Um, and that was just, again, more of a point of view on, on, um, on growth uh, as much as anything. Um, then a lot of my knowledge is consumed by, by reading articles by other people who have done this type of thing, right. And as best you can. Right. So, 
I mean, um, you know, lead velocity ratio was something, for example, I learned uh, from a series of articles, uh, 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 you know, that were that were written or referred to by uh, Brandon Cassidy, right? Like, so there's people on LinkedIn. Um, Twitter used to be great for this before it became um, uh, a cesspool. But, uh, you know, uh, the, the um, uh, you know, it's just finding people and, and seeing what they're reading. Um, so a lot of article consumption for me. Um, and then coursework is, is a great one because I've, again, been bad about this, but, uh, uh, but, you know, Grant alluded to this earlier, but the, uh, like certifications, right? Like, so certifications, I got like a $49 discount, the deal from, uh, entrepreneur.com, right. And the courses were fine. Like they weren't incredible, but yeah, it was like a little bit of a layman's intro to certain things I didn't know about, like Google AdWords, which I hadn't used before, Facebook ads, which I hadn't used before. So, um, yeah, I would say, uh, and then this is going to, like, YouTube, right? Like, it's like fixing stuff around your house, right? Like, you can literally find a video about anything. Um, you know, I was digging deep into Facebook uh, audience creation a, few, uh, a, a couple months ago, and they had changed their rules a couple times. And, yeah, you got to find the right date for the video. But it was like, oh, yeah, sure, I can do this by, um, uh, by you know, uh, company role, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, I would say that it's, it's kind of that, you know, if you think about a startup, there being a lot of DIY stuff, right? Like, well, how do you figure out DIY stuff at home is you, you watch somebody else do it. So um, that's probably another another great source for me. Traction's actually been sitting on my bookshelf for a while as like a need to read, but I also sometimes struggle through nonfiction. So uh, oh, I guess I'll have I had to, to grind through that one. I made, I wrote stuff in pen in that one. It was like a real, I was really proud of myself. <laughs> That's the project I'm most proud of. Getting <laughs> Finishing a book and putting in notes. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, that wraps up all of my questions. Um, we'll, uh, we'll chat, but we'll put information on both Good Lawyer and Zazun in the show notes and whatever ways you are comfortable for people to reach out to you as well. Some people have put in their Twitters. <laughs> Some people their emails, so whatever your preference. Is. I kind of I, I kind of knock Twitter a bit. Honestly, it's better than Facebook. So yeah, I'll give I'll give I'll, I will rescind my earlier critique. <laughs> I wasn't saying um, anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your insights. I think this will be really really helpful content for anyone who's looking for uh, to have a career in growth. Thanks again to Grant and to Startup Calgary for allowing us to use their excellent episode. Make sure you check out Startup Calgary's podcasts. They are fantastic and they have a ton of great content to help all those interested or involved in the startup world. If you like what you heard, please download, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, we hope you have a great week.